doesn't matter who you are this world gonna leave some battle scars hey good morning everyone welcome to church let's stand to our feet and worship together
Father, we gather here in your name today. What a beautiful name it is. Lord, it's just uh, the name that, uh, Father, the word tells us that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus, you are Lord. So, Father, we're grateful today to gather under your banner today, Father, and to worship you and to lift up your holy name. Father, I thank you for those who have gathered here today, those that are worshiping with us online and in the cafe and around this building. Be with our students, Lord, we ask, and our children. And, Lord, we just pray that you would help us today to uh, just uh, tune in to what you have for us today. Pray your blessings upon uh, Gay today as she brings a message. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as a church and all the things, Lord, that uh, we have on our agenda in the days ahead, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to guide and lead. Help us, Lord, to continue to reach out into our community and be the light here in this hill on Gordon Road that you called us to be, Father. Uh, we just pray, Lord, you'd wrap your loving arms around those who may be discouraged today, going through difficult times. And, Lord, we know that, God, that you're with us, and you promise never to leave us nor forsake us, Lord, no matter what. And so, Lord, we thank you today that, uh, Lord, that you love us and there's nothing we can do to get you to love us any less. You just love us. And so, Father, we're grateful for that kind of love. So, Lord, thank you for this day and all that's going to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to church. Glad you're here today. Beautiful day to be here. And we're glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. Well, we uh, encourage you today to check in on Facebook. That's a great uh, means of letting your friends know about Salem Fields Community Church. Uh, I think Rich may have said last week we had a long time story of that where someone watched their friend check in and check in and check in, and finally they checked us out and, uh, and sensed that this is a church for them. So just pray that uh, as you check in, that others will uh, see that and be encouraged to maybe come and visit sometime. If you're a first-time guest today, we welcome you to Salem Fields. We're glad that you're here today, and uh, we, we're not going to do anything crazy uh, to uh, embarrass you today or put you on the spot, but we would like for you to check in at our first-time guest table as you leave today. We have a free gift, and we'd love, to, um, we'd love for you to uh, just leave your information there, not so that, uh, just so that we can know who's here, and uh, just appreciate you doing that if you're a guest. We do welcome you. Your connection card is in the program. And if you have prayer requests or you need information, anything from the church, if you'll just put it on your connection card, uh, we'll follow up on that and any prayer requests or whatever. And uh, we're going to take our tithes and offerings in just a few moments. If you're a regular attender today, we appreciate your faithful giving. Uh, many of you tithe, which uh, means you give 10% of your income. Uh, right off the top, you give to God. Uh, through the church, and we appreciate that. And those of you who give regularly, uh, we appreciate your giving. You can give, as always, with the cash or check. You can go out into the foyer and give on the credit card, debit card machines as you leave today. And also, uh, the buckets will come by in just a moment, and you can put your checks in and your cash, and you make any checks to Salem Fields. You can go on your app and give or online. If you're worshiping with us online, there's a little green button there, and that's a magic button. You push that, and it'll just take as much off your credit card or out of your bank account as you want it to. <laughs> so uh, we do appreciate your faithful giving, and God continues to lead us, and uh, we do our very best to be good stewards of that which you uh, so entrust to us as, uh, as the storehouse that God's called us to be. We're going to watch a video here that you will enjoy. We're here because we believe that following Jesus is the best decision you can make with your life. 
understand where you are if you say, this is the day, the time where I'm done with the games and I'm all in. When Jesus looks at you, he sees you through a kingdom lens of love. Okay, can I just say, stop making excuses and jump into the unknown. Loving God is loving others. There's no exceptions. You are held in the fabric of God's holy love. There is nothing that can keep you away from the love of Jesus Christ. Success is not compared to what everyone else is flying. Success is completing what God has you to do. So we will love God. We will love others. We will live love. So go in peace. Good morning, everyone. My name's Melanie. And these are three of our students, Seth, Chad, and Justin. And we're just here to talk a little bit about that video. That video was recorded a few weeks ago in Phoenix, Arizona at Nazarene Youth Conference. Um, every four years, the Church of the Nazarene sponsors a conference for a high school students. It's, it, it can be anywhere around the um, United States or in Canada this year. It just happened to be in Phoenix, Arizona during July, which was really cool. Um, but anyway, we had a great time um, just to give you a quick overview of what happens at NYC every morning and every evening. We have one of those sessions where we have worship. We have uh, wonderful, amazing speakers that challenge the students um, to stop living kind of on the edge of, you know, and go all in for God. Uh, had a great time. We traveled with 120 people from Virginia. All the Nazarene churches met up together, so we got to meet a lot of people from around the state. Uh, we met up in Phoenix with 8,500 other people from around the United States, Canada, and some ministry, um, missionary kids from around the world. And our students today just want to give you a real quick um, view of some of the other things that happened. During the afternoons or the evenings, uh, we had um, other opportunities to do things, and they're just going to give you a quick um, overview of some of the things that they did. So in case you didn't catch that, the theme of the year is love God, love others, and living love. Um, Love God is, well, God is the source of love, so since he, um, <laughs> I can't speak in bone crowds, okay, uh, since God is love, he gave us the love to love him, so. Uh, <laughs> so what else we can do with that love is to see others through a rose-tinted lens called love, as one of the speakers said in NYC. So we see others through the lens of love and show God's love to them, which is kind of what love lived is. We show God love and show others love because we were called to love. So, super cool. We got to do a bunch of community service while we were there. Um, we came there with uh, bringing backpacks for children who could not afford them in Arizona. And we must have gotten like 8,000 backpacks to poor children in Arizona. That was super cool. Um, yeah. 
And then, I mean, each day, every church went and did something for the community. And so we did a bunch of things like packing boxes of lunches for people who couldn't afford that. We uh, handed out water bottles to people who were out working in the hot sun, because that's awful. I mean, that was crazy, <laughs> like really. Um, yeah, I mean, we did a whole ton of stuff like that. It was really, really cool. Um, when you have 9,000 people in a city doing community service, you can make a big difference. Another thing that truly inspired me that was on this trip was the experience. And after each of our sessions, we went into a room and we basically had our time and connection with God where everything was just silent, peaceful, and it was just really us actively reflecting on ourselves as humility and believers in Christ. Um, the first session we did was loving God. So basically, how is our life and what does we need to do to improve or things to change so that we can hear God more and be able to go for his calling? The next thing was loving others. Loving others are simple, our brothers and sisters here on the earth, understanding of what we need to do as believers to share the gospel and be those disciples that God has called us to be. And lastly, the last thing was being love lived, living that life out each and every day. Because we know that as believers in Christ, it is very difficult in this society that we are in today to continue to show that love to others. So really challenging ourselves to loving others in our workplace, whether it's our neighbors, our coworkers, our bosses, whatever the case may be, just to be able to fulfill that. So ultimately, that was one of the most amazing things that truly helped me, especially on that trip. So Nazarene Youth Conference was truly an awesome event, and I cannot wait to keep doing it and for it to keep growing. So thank you guys. So if you have a middle schooler and that will be in high school in four years, be looking for this. It is an amazing event. I don't know where it will be yet. That will probably be uh, decided over the next couple of years. Um, but it is truly a life-changing event. And the goal of NYC is spiritual growth. And I really think that our students uh, benefited from that. Thank you. That is awesome. So hey, just got a couple of other quick announcements on some things that are coming up. Uh, we're excited to announce that we are going to do fireworks again this year. And so uh, we have taken a break from that for a couple of years, but we are finally doing it again. And so it's going to take place uh, Labor Day weekend. It's actually going to take place on that Sunday, September 1st. Uh, it's going to start at 5.30 p.m. We're going to have food trucks, uh, games. It's kind of going to almost have this big block party feel right here. So we really want to encourage you to invite your friends, invite your neighbors. It is going to be amazing. Uh, but check that out. And so obviously, once it gets dark, we'll do the fireworks. So it's going to be a great time. Uh, there's going to be opportunities to serve, which we'll start telling you about next week. And then we're also going to put some resources in your hands to be able to go out to the community and invite them. Because I know we get asked about this all the time. Are you guys going to do fireworks this year? Are you going to do fireworks this year? And so if I know that people will accept that invitation. And so we just need to go out. We need to invite our community to this to be a part of it. Another thing you can invite the community to be a part of is this Friday, we are having our last outdoor movie night of the season. It has been a great time so far. We're going to do The Greatest Showman this uh, Friday. And so come out. There's food trucks, games, a uh, great time. Uh, bring a lawn chair, bring a blanket. It is uh, just a blast. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that and invite your friends and neighbors and coworkers to that as well. And then lastly, next Saturday night, uh, it is uh, National S'mores Day. 
And so what better way to celebrate National S'mores Day than to eat a s'more? And so we're going to make that super easy for you. So come to actually service next Saturday. Stay after uh, and roast some uh, s'mores over a campfire. It's going to be a good time. Just thought it'd be a, a fun way to really wind down the summer and celebrate that day. But we also have an event that's going on today after the 11 o'clock service, and that is our fishing derby. Uh, it is for uh, kids from... Uh, one all the way up until 12th grade. And so uh, there's uh, surprises. It's just going to be a blast. Uh, it's going to be hot dogs as well. And so I want to encourage you. I know you guys are here for the 9 a.m., but come back. Uh, it's going to be a great time following the 11 o'clock service. Tone. Yeah, yeah. Rich is, Rich is awesome. He, he's a little more browner than me. He was at the beach this week. Um, yeah. He's doing cool things. I need two volunteers. Do we have two volunteers in the house? If you don't raise your hand, I'm fine picking you. I do know your names. Ooh. Hey, how are you doing? Come on up. Yeah. Come on, Lizzie. Give Lizzie a hand. Lizzie's part of our student worship team. She's awesome. Yes, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Danny, how you doing? Come on up. Come on, Danny. Just stand right there in the middle for a second. Give Danny a hand as she walks up to the stage. Oh, she hopped on the stage. Look at you go. You doing CrossFit? You doing crawl jumping jacks? All right. Excuse me. So a big part of fishing is uh, practicing fishing. And so you're going to take this, please. And so what you're going to do, you're going to take this bobber, and you're going to try. I'm going to have you stand back there at the tape. Yep, yep, a little more. Good, good, good. You're going to take this bobber, and I want you to make it into that bucket. It's okay. I'm going to teach you, all right? You're going to have 60 seconds to get this bobber in that bucket as many times as you can, all right? So how you're going to use this is you're going to turn it this way. You're going to take your thumb, you're going to press it, and you're going to hold it, all right? And when you drop it, that's going to drop, all right? And if you want it to stop, you got to start reeling it in. Simple, right? You ready? You got this. I got confidence in you, all right? Yeah, don't throw it overhand because you'll end up hitting some people over there and we don't want anything happening. I want you to go like that. Yeah, I like that. You got it? Ready, set, go! You got to cheer her on. She doesn't do good unless you cheer her on. Cheer her on. Come on, folks. Yeah. Uh-oh. Hey, now. The dog up here is going crazy. Let's get it. Hey. Oh, hey. Let's go. Hey. 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 Really? Keep going. You got 20 seconds. No, it didn't break. It broke. All right. I got a backup. Give Lizzie another hand. She did a wonderful job. Yep. 
Just like that. Come stand right here, please. Yep. Behind the line, lady. Ready, <laughs> set, go. Oh, all right. seconds. You got this. Cheer on. Come on. What are you doing, folks? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Oh. Give those lovely individuals a hand for trying. No. Your consolation prizes, thank you. Okay, the dog was adorable. She wanted the ball, that was so cute. Okay, well, Rich wasn't actually at the beach last week, he was fishing. When you look at Rich, don't you think, like, that guy's a fisherman. <laughs> he was fishing with his daughter, sitting on the side of a river, and he wrote this song, because now he's a country singer that writes about fishing, so.
that's how you fish, boys. <laughs> well, we did it. We turned Rich into a country singer. How about that? <laughs> Those have been some good songs. Well, uh, you know, no one in any of the other services got that in the bucket. So that was pretty impressive, right? Okay, so have you ever heard that saying that says, there is no rest for the weary? It ain't true. It's not true. Because Jesus said, come to me, everyone that's weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so there's no excuse for not being rested, right? Because Jesus said it. I believe it. And uh, it's really true when we put what we know into practice. Well, this has been Gone Fishing, and we're closing up that series today. And boy, we have done some fishing things. And uh, we've been looking at the parallels between fishing and our spiritual life. Now, the first week, Buddy talked to us about your calling and how Jesus came along and he saw a bunch of fishermen and they were fishing for fish and they were eating fish and they were selling fish. But he said, hey, fishermen, come with me because we're going to go fish for people. And many of you came forward and said, you know what, I'm going to fulfill the calling that God's placed on my life. And we're trying to incorporate you and help you uh, along the way to understand what your calling is because every single person on the face of the earth has a purpose and a calling. Well, the second week, Rich talked to us about, you know, fishing kind of can change your perspective. And he paralleled that with our spiritual life by saying, sometimes we just need to have a different perspective than what's really rolling through our minds. We need to get out of how we always do it. Remember the ladder, he climbed up that, and he said, the closer you draw to God, the different your perspective will come. And then the next week, Buddy said, talked to us about going deeper, and he said, like, when you go fishing, you don't just wade in the, or stand, you can stand on the bank, you can wade in the shallow part, or you can go way out in the deep. And many of you said, yeah, I want to grow spiritually, because if we're not growing, we're probably going backwards. And so I thought, what better way to close out this series in the parallel to our spiritual life? Fishing often represents kind of getting away, unhooking, resting. And I thought, let's talk about rest. Because God designed the perfect balance and rhythm for life. And what I've found, even in just the two last services, is that this is one of the most not talked about uh, conversations, the most not practiced instruction of God, and it's really challenging me to say, what am I going to do with this, Lord? Maybe there's something in the future that I can help people regain this truth that will revolutionize your life, and it's all about rest. So what is rest, really? Well, some people say it's this. This is Sophie. She goes here. In fact, she's sitting right back there. And she uh, was somewhere, where were you, Sophie? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Look at that. Isn't that relaxing and restful? And doesn't she have pretty feet? <laughs> and then uh, the Gagnons, Bobby Gagnon, they've got a huge family, five children. And they said, this is kind of what we thought rest would be. And they took uh, their children, and the three oldest ones got to take a friend each. And they went to the beach. 
And uh, I cannot imagine what that must have been like, but it sure is a beautiful scene, isn't it, that family? And uh, have you ever come home from a vacation and said, I need a vacation? <laughs> yeah, we can get worn out. Now, Buddy took it literally this week. Buddy, Tone, and Jackson, they all went to West Virginia, and they went fishing, okay? And they went truly for fishing. And this is Jackson and, and Tone, and Buddy sent this picture back to me. I wasn't there. And Jackson, isn't he being a, a good, obedient son? He's got his life jacket on there. I think that's pretty awesome. And then they went clear out into the deep. There they went, and they were fishing. And that paralleled to what we were talking about. They took it literally. Well, this week we're going to talk about rest. And have you, ever, have you ever stopped to think about what is God's design for my rest? Because it's the perfect rhythm and balance for life. Did you ever think about rest is a gift that God has given to us? And our rest is an act of worship that we give back to God. And so, you know, in our fast-paced world, what I'm finding is that we truly don't know what God designed rest is, much less are we incorporating it into our life. Now, giving back to God is just like tithing. You know, we talk about tithing around here a lot. We're saying we don't, we don't need money. What we, what we want the desired result is spiritual growth. And we know that when people put the, their finances, when they put God first in their finances and they trust him, they will see that God will provide every need they have, that you don't ever have to worry about money again. That's not the cultural way to talk about money, is it? Most people worry about money. But tithing says that when you put God first, he will meet every need because he gives us a promise. And I propose that to you today about rest, that there is a tithe of rest. And God designed that. And if we're not putting him first in that, and we're not giving back to him according to his design, that portion of, of our rest, then we're going to be thrown completely out of balance. And what I've found is that most people are looking for balance in their life. How can I get balance? Well, I want to sleep better. Well, I, wanna, my, I want my body to be better. And we look at all of these things, and we're trying to do all of these things instead of stepping back and looking at God's big picture. He's already given instructions of how we can find perfect rest, perfect balance and rhythm in life. And we had this big business out there. Do you realize that? Big business of people uh, helping and teaching and coaching. And there are medications and there are sleep apps and there are all kinds of things that are trying to help people get this natural rhythm and balance. And we're missing the very thing that God designed. Well, as I was preparing for this, I went through and I was thinking about how the world is benefiting off of people being so out of balance because they're selling their wares to the, what, what it would be that would get them back in balance. I found a sleep app. Do you know that big business is in sleep apps? Just design one of those and make a lot of money. But anyway, here's the sleep app, and I had everybody last time, instead of watching that, you can watch it up here if you want to, but go ahead and close your eyes and we're going to listen to this. What is this world we live in? 
is one minute, always one minute. A mile, always a mile. Is it possible to travel through time, or faster than light? These are the questions we will explore in our special ASMR story tonight. And we'll do it in a very simple way. I am the French Whisperer, and tonight I invite you on a journey through time and space that just might change your perception of the physical world. Let's talk about the theory of relativity. Wake up, everybody. <laughs> Boy, it starts, I am the French Whisperer. And he keeps droning on, and when he talks about the theory of relativity, it will surely put you to sleep. <laughs> But here's the thing. Our culture is tricking us into thinking that if we just have better sleep, or we get this, or we get that, or we do this, or we do that, that somehow we'll be changed from the outside in. It'll never work. You don't change from the outside in. A person is designed to change from the inside out. We have to get to that place within us that will have a change so that eventually our behaviors will change. change. Now, sleep is really important. And sleep is something that we'd all like to have. But I hear this all the time. I just don't sleep well. I'm sleeping too much. I'm sleeping not enough when I go to bed. And I just heard somebody's watch told them the other night they only got three hours of sleep. People struggle with their sleep. How many people here sleep really well? Yep, about the same percentage that's been in every service. It's a small percentage. How many people wake up to an alarm clock? Most of you. How many people don't? Oh, nice. <laughs> That's good. Do you wake up to anything? Yes, you, children. Oh, children. Yeah, yeah, okay. See, that? I, I need to ask a better question. <laughs> But you see, most of our life is manifested in our sleep. And, and it, it works its way out in our life with anxiety and restlessness and, and all kinds of things that are disrupting us, and then we don't sleep very well. And we think, if I can just fix my sleep, then my life will be better. My life will be in balance. If I can just fix my diet, if I can just fix my workout, if I can just fix these kids, if I can just fix on and on and on and on, but that will never work. It's only behavioral. And until we can learn that change comes from the inside out, we'll all be, always be looking at this slice, get my sleep fixed, looking at this slice, my work, what, what my diet, what my, and, and it'll just be a slice and it'll be a portion and it'll be good, but there will be no lasting change. And God has given us the answer that is so neglected. And the way that it's working its way out in us is through rush, 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 and anxiety, and taking, I, I just heard someone this morning said that a person's sleep was so disrupted that they started drinking to get to sleep, and now they're in Celebrate Recovery. That's the way it works. Because we look for those sleep aids, or we look for, instead of understanding that God has The answer. 
And if we're the body of Christ, and if we've come here this morning, and we've found this to be valuable in our spiritual growth, we need to take God's design and begin to incorporate it into our life and see that it will give us extraordinary gifts, balance and rhythm in our life. Billy Graham said, you know, uh, God didn't give us a playground, he gave us a battleground. And every day that we wake up, we head into that battleground, and, and warriors need rest. We need rest to face that day with gusto and with abundance the way that he designed. And, and I saw this this week, and I loved it, that it's more about recreation than it is about recreation. We tend to think that if we unhook and we go fishing or we go on a vacation or we take a little time to take a walk, during, we tend to think that that will give us our rest. Not necessarily, because we can be doing all of those things and not really take that low kind of boil, that white noise in our life, that kind of churning that just never ever goes away and we don't want to stop because then we might hear what our head is telling us and we don't want to hear that talk to a young woman just this morning right after she left the service and she said yeah I'm not I just I just can't stop and I said well there's something that you don't want to hear and she said well I guess that's true I said you may have some past hurts or you may have some fears that need to be addressed inside because that will never allow you to have rest. That's not God's design. That's the enemy of God's loving instructions that he gives to us. But we, that's so much harder to do than to drink a glass of wine before I go to bed. It's so much harder to dig into that. But as, as believers in Jesus Christ, he's given us a way to do that. And he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so if you go there, we can get that stuff taken care of so that you can have perfect rest. So we're going to start out with the fourth commandment. And this is what God said. This is, this is God from the very beginning. We're going to look at him from the very beginning of time to us sitting here today. Let's read this commandment together. Remember. Now, what does that mean? Well, it says remember. And remember means to bring to one's recollection. I could say to you, do you remember when? And you'd pull up this, this little, you know, I can remember, uh, like if I hear a song playing, I have a little, Dick Clark said, a little video will play in your head, and I'll know where I was and who I was with from many, many, many years ago. That's remember. That's pulling up the recollection. That's kind of reliving something from the past. And God said that. He said, remember. And then he said, remember the Sabbath, and Sabbath means to stop, to cease, to end. And so if you add Sabbath to remember, it says remember plus Sabbath equals remember to stop. Remember to stop. And too often we forget this. It goes on to say, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He didn't say anything about Sunday or Saturday here. Uh, He said the Sabbath day, and he said the seventh day. See, God said, remember, I'm giving you a life-giving instruction. That was his original intention. You know, the Ten Commandments got in, oh, there are all those laws. I'm not supposed to kill anybody. I'm not supposed to. And, and it becomes a burden. And the Sabbath and the whole, the whole deal. But God's original intention for you and for me, for the children of Israel, was I'm going to give you some life-giving instructions here. And if you put these boundaries around your life, you're going to get the best out of life. You're going to get the best out of your body. You're going to get the best out of your mind. You're going to get the best out of your spirit. The perfect rhythm and balance. And he said, remember that. And God modeled this for us. He didn't, he didn't get tired on the seventh day. It wasn't like, oh, man, I created the water and the air and the man and the woman, and I am just pooped. That was not God. He didn't get tired. He could have gone on and on and on in his creation. Do you know what he did? He created for six days, and then he stopped. And he looked back, and he reflected on those six days or 6,000 years or whatever. You can get into debate, whatever that is. But he looked back. He paused, and he said, whoa. Look what I've done here. This is good. And then he was refreshed and renewed and rejuvenated to head into the next six days of what this man and woman was going to do together. He was ready. So God modeled that, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to have a day, whatever day that is for you, that we stop and we get out of the regular routine because routines get us in ruts, and almost we do it subconsciously. We don't have you ever driven the same route, and you didn't even remember this one particular place that you Uh, pass by every day because you were in such a different zone. We get into such ruts, and God says you need one day. You need to tithe your time. Six days, one day. Six days, one day. Everybody is equal in having 168 hours a week. You know, we hear our culture say equality, equality, equality. Well, we have equality in our time. And he says, I want a tithe of that back. That means 24 hours, not 10%, 24 hours, six days and one day, six days and one day, six days and stop. Look back at those six days and celebrate what God has done. Maybe it was a boring week, but you know what? You're still breathing. You slept in a bed last night. You have a job. You have someone in your life that loves you. And you can look back, and boy, those things get hidden, don't they? Because of all the run, 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 and all the go, go, go that we do, we don't stop and look back and rejoice and celebrate and say, good grief, God, you provided for me that whole time. And we find joy, and we worship him, 
not just coming to a church service, but we truly have given our hearts up and we are worshiping him for what he did, for what he's gonna do, for who he is, for the connections that we have. And we take that day and we refresh and we renew and we recharge and we are ready to hit the next six days. Do you know anybody like that? I don't know many people that have that kind of gusto because we're so overwhelmed. We're worrying about the future. We don't have enough time. Do you hear yourself saying that? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. Well, that's not God's design. God's design is that you have enough time, that you have enough money, so that you don't have to worry about that and you don't have this continual restlessness that, oh, I've got to get this or I've got to get that because if I don't, then I won't have it. That's the life that we're living. But God's perfect design, his life-giving instruction says, the seventh day, stop, rest, recharge, refresh. It's easy to understand. Every single one of us have a cell phone. When that battery runs down, what do you do? Because you can't live without your cell phone. You plug it in. You plug it in and you let it recharge. And that's what the Sabbath was designed to do. The Sabbath is our supernatural battery charger because it takes the worry. It washes the worry away. And it says, wow, and it says, I'm ready to head into the next six days. A lot of teachers are heading into the blackboard jungle. There's a lot of stress involved in that. And thank you for all the teachers. They are our heroes. And it's gotten harder and harder and harder, but can you imagine every teacher that stops and has a Sabbath and isn't overwhelmed and heads into that classroom with their battery recharged and refreshed and it wears down in six days and then they stop. Can you imagine if we were all there? Because we are. We're all there. And the, but So there are three things from this command that we need to look at. And I'm going to kind of zip through this. You're not going to feel very rested by the time we finish here. <laughs> but three things. First of all, your work matters to God. No matter what you do, it gives you purpose. You know, Buddy gave the message about your calling. Everybody has a calling. Every single person here, whether it's raising your children or it's writing software or it's sitting in a government office somewhere or it's uh, working in a hospital or it is cleaning toilets. I don't care what it is. It has purpose and it is important and it can be holy when you go there and you understand that you're doing whatever you do, whether you're in school or you're at work, you're doing it as unto the Lord. Have you ever realized, have you ever worked that God is your boss? I mean, we gripe and complain about our bosses and what they don't do and how hard it is to work with them. Did you realize that if you work as God is your boss, it will change everything? 
Because Colossians says, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That means no matter what you do, no matter what you work at, your work is important, but it's not the actual work, it's not that particular thing you do, it's that we are to do whatever we do as unto the Lord and answering to our Heavenly Father. Work is important. But we've got to remember that there is more to life than labor. And if we don't get this, we'll fall into one of the major traps that's called workaholism. Workaholism is not a feather in your cap. Some people equate busy with important. If I'm really, really busy, then I must be an important person. That's not true. Workaholism is a big warning signal that's saying it's going off, it's a red flasher that says you're connecting your worth as a person to how well you do performance-wise. It's perfectionism, which is not God's design, it's looking at our worth to get our, our work to give us our value, the amount of education that we have. And when we connect those two, eventually it will take us down. Because your worth, even if you have no job, even if you have no people in your life, even if you have nothing, your worth in God's eyes is as a crown jewel, a crown jewel. And we have to be careful and understand that there's more to life than our work. And oftentimes, if we're a workaholic and we're, we're, we could be hiding in our work because we don't want to go home, because we feel so incompetent there and I'd rather be with the people that I work with because they're more uplifting or what I have to do with the children is so hard and I'm not very good there. And, and we'll begin to hide in the thing that we do well. It's workaholism, it's a trap and it'll take us down. The other thing that we have to um, remember is that our time, just like everything we have, belongs to God. He lets us have those six days to do whatever we choose to do. But he said, give me one day. I need one day. It's called Sabbath. It's a time when you stop and you remember how good God has been to you. You remember all the blessings that he's given to you. And you refresh and you recharge and you rejuvenate and you head into the next six days knowing he's going to take care of everything that comes along. Everything. Boy, when you have that perspective, it changes everything. You know, uh, I look at time. You know, we, we say uh, this boundary really is, is a boundary that God says, put this boundary around your life, this go, go, go life, and this list to list to list life. And what that will do, it'll begin to change your mindset that says, someday I'll give God some time. Someday I'll go on that missions trip. Someday when I get enough money. Someday. You see, Sabbath will diffuse that mentality and you'll say, no, today is the day. It's kind of like winning the lottery. A lot of people will say, you know, if I just won the lottery, I'd give a lot of money away. Well, if you're not giving money away now, you won't do it then. 
And this is the same way with your time. If you don't do it now, you won't do it later. You just won't. It's the way it is. This is what we have to look at. And you know, God will test our faith. He tests our faith. And I'm going to take a story out of Exodus 16. You can turn there if you want to. I don't have it written up here. But it's an incredible story that applies to us here today. And we're going to look at it. God tests our faith to see if we're going to follow his instruction. He tested the children of Israel to see if they would follow his instruction. He, they were... They were uh, uh, whining and complaining. Okay, so here's Moses, and uh, he says, okay, I'll take, I'll take the, God's children out of Egypt. And you remember that story, how uh, he said, let my people go, and he took the people out of slavery. Well, they went out into the desert, and it only took them 45 days to start whining and complaining. See the little baby? She knows that that little baby needs something, right? Well, that's how the children of Israel were. They were 45 days. They'd been taken out of slavery, and they started to whine and complain. They said, well, yeah, we may have been in slavery, but at least we had good food. We're out here in the desert now, and yeah, sure, we're free, but we don't have good food. Well, God heard their whining and their complaining. And he went to Moses and he said, Moses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rain food down from heaven. But here's what I want you to tell the people. When this food rains down, I'm only going to give it for one day. And when they go out and gather this food, tell them only to gather what they need. They'll have everything they need, but just for one day. And so they did. The people went out, but there were some people, and they're much like us. They went out, and they said, oh, my goodness, I don't know if just this one day will be enough for us, and so I've got to work harder to pick up more. And there were people that took some, and they stashed it away, and they said, I'll have this just in case I need it tomorrow because, sure, God said just take one day, but I think I know better because um, I need to have more. And so that's what they did, and the next morning when they got up, the excess that they had was covered with maggots. And God said, I, I said just to take for one day, I promised you that I would provide for you, but just one day. Don't worry about tomorrow. And he said, on the sixth day, I want you to gather twice as much. You can do it on the sixth day. Why? Because the next day is going to be a day of rest. And I'm not going to rain food down on that day. I want you to gather the day before, and I want you to hold that. And surely they did that, and the next morning when they got up, no maggots. Well, well, God kept his word. They had enough for each day, and now they had enough for the Sabbath. But then people went out even on the Sabbath, and they said, well, I've got to get some today. I've got to pick that up. And there was no food, just as God had said. Do you see how people always think they know better? We always think that we've got to gather more or that we don't have enough. Do you see how that applies to us today? And Moses got angry at the people and he went back to God. And God, God said, go back to them and tell them that they need to get this. And you know what? They eventually got it. 
and they practiced the Sabbath. And do you know what happened? God gave this promise to them, and for 40 years, they were fed one day at a time exactly what they needed, and they didn't have to worry about tomorrow. And that lesson still applies to us today. That promise, that instruction is still for us today. When they finally got it, God went beyond and he said, not only am I going to supply all of your need, but I'm going to supply everybody's need throughout all of the generations and that brings us up to today. We have the exact same promise that he will provide, that he will supply everything that you need if you're willing to follow his instructions. And he tests our faith. And he sees whether or not we really believe him. Or are we like that person that is gathering and stuffing away? And I think the maggots are anxiety. Because anxiety is fear. Anxiety is worry about the future. It's, it's the enemy of God's design because it's that low-level, low-churning that never allows you to rest. And that's where we are as a culture. Yet God gave us the perfect rhythm and design. Why are we not doing this first in our life? Because there's nothing wrong with focusing on sleeping better or eating better or working out. Nothing wrong with any of that unless we're putting that first. God says, I've given you the perfect design. And he will test our faith to see if we really believe. Do you really believe that he'll supply every need that you have? We've, Buddy and I have a big one coming up July, uh, January 1st. We will have no income. Am I worried? Absolutely not. You know why? Because I know he will not dump me on January 1st, 2020. He has supplied every need and more that I've ever had. How he's going to do it? I don't know. He's going to surprise me. And he may take us to where we have to sell out, sell down, sell down. There may be requirements on our life. He's not going to just dump something down on us, or he might. I don't know. But here's what I know my God provides. He's provided for me far beyond what I could ever hope or dream of. And do we have believers today that are going out in the world with a testimony that says, I don't have to worry I don't have to worry about my kids. I don't have to worry about my money. I've got enough time. That's, are you nuts? That doesn't work in this culture today, does it? But that was the testimony of the people. Because balance comes from a weekly rhythm of rest. God said, give me one day. You take six, give me one day. That's your tithe. And it's my testimony that God will provide. And it's this timeless truth that spreads to everyone throughout the generations. 
And over time, you know what happens with Sabbath and with these uh, rules and laws of God? People love to control and regulate. And what happened in the year of 321, March 7th, actually, Constantine said, okay, we're going to declare Sunday as Sabbath. And then... uh, they said, okay, and then the Puritans came along, and when they found out that Sunday and Sabbath went together, they began to regulate it to death. They said, well, you can't do this, and you can't do that. Back when I was a kid, that's sort of how it was. Sunday was Sabbath, and everything shut down. Anyone know what blue laws are? (laughs) Yeah, all the old geezers, all of us. We know what it was, because back in the day, you get up on Sunday morning, you go to church. Hey, you're pretty young. How do you know about it? (laughs) That's pretty good. Um, And you get up, you go to church, you do the routine, you go to Sunday school, wear your little patent leather shoes, and then you, uh, after church, you go over to someone's house, and you have dinner, and you stay there. We called it dinner that day, not lunch. And you stay the whole day, and then you come home that evening, and you rest, and you just do read a book or whatever, and that was our Sabbath. That does not happen anymore. That's not our world that we live in. It doesn't work that way. My Sabbath now is a Tuesday because that's my day off and I unhook and that day involves something that will bring me joy something that I can worship and I can give my time back to God and it will involve something that takes me out of my normal routine and that I can focus on God Because, you see, Jesus came along after people tried to put all these rules on what Sabbath and on Sunday was. And, you know, people will say, well, what should my day of Sabbath be? Or how long should it last? And we begin to get all of these rules. And Jesus came along and he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He kind of broke all of the ritualistic and the religiosity, just broke it out of the water. And he said, he, he said, the Sabbath was made for mankind, not man for the Sabbath. So in other words, it's not, okay, we got to follow this rule of Sabbath, and I'm submitted to that. No, 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 no. Sabbath is to set you free. It's to rejuvenate you. It's to recharge you. It's to get you ready, because when you look back and say, God, You have done an incredible thing in my life. You have given me so much. Thank you for that. And you stop and you look into the next six days and you say, I know you'll provide. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. Man, what a mindset to take into the classroom or to take into the boardroom or to take into the government or to take into wherever you go. I know my God will provide. You see, that's why Jesus came, to free today's believer from the rituals and the religiosity of that fourth commandment so that we don't say, well, I gotta, I gotta take some time to rest. No, that's a burden. It's not an obligation. It's a privilege. It's something that we can look forward to. You won't feel guilt. You might initially because you say, oh, I should be doing this, this, or this. 
Or somebody will call you and you'll say, uh, they'll say, can you come over? And you say, well, no, because today is my day where I'm really trying to unhook and really trying to rest. And as you practice that over and over, you will begin to see things from God that you have never experienced before. On the authority of God's word, I can promise you that, but you will not see it until you believe it, you accept it, you receive the gift, and you put it into the practice of your life. And what I'm finding over this weekend is that rarely, as I've asked people in the last two services, do you practice the Sabbath? Everyone from parents to pastors are saying no, but I've got my Fitbit here and I'm you know, and, I, and I'm really watching my diet. I said, why, why, why don't you step back and begin to focus on this first? And I can't tell you what it'll do in your life, but I can tell you what the promises of God are. Worry is not part of his design. Anxiety is not part of his perfect rhythm and grace and balance. And what I've found is every human being alive wants a balanced life. Yet here he is, and he will test our faith to see if we're willing to do that. Three things I want to give you as we close out. First of all, I always need to know the point of something. If I don't know the purpose, if I can't answer the why, then I'm probably not going to invest my time in it. I gotta know why. What's the person causing me to dig deep within myself? Here is the why of why he's asking you for 24 hours out of your week to worship and reflect and to stop. First of all, it's coming from the heart of a loving, protective father. Our father loves us. He cares about us. He wants us to have the best. And so the protection is so that our body does not wear out. You know, this body was designed maybe on an average to last about 80 years in this culture, uh, some longer, some shorter. But God wants to sustain our body until the day we die. You know, look at my brother. He's 70 years old, and I've never seen him more fully alive. He is happier today than I've ever seen him in his whole life. And he says, Gay, I've got this whole chunk of life at the end of life. He's traveling over the whole country, and he's gotten involved in something that he loves. Called me yesterday, and, and he, he is, so he has never looked at this older stage of life as, well, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up and fold it in and wait to die. And do you realize in a culture that values youth, that's pretty much the mentality that we have. People not wanting to get older, trying to stay looking young instead of understanding that every season of life has its gusto if we understand what to put first and to put first things first. And that's our tithe of time to God. So he wants to protect our bodies so that it will sustain. The Bible says the toil of fools wearies them. They don't even know the way to town. They get all confused. <laughs> and, and I wonder what we would look like if we put first things first with our tithe 
of time. The second thing is that he wants to protect our spirit from tuning out. It's easy to tune out, isn't it? It's easy to put Jesus in our pocket on Sunday and put the Holy Spirit on a little pedestal as we go our way and not really incorporate that into our week. And what happens, what this scripture, it says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. That's why change will never come from the outside in. We're not going to contrive all of these things behaviorally and then hope that our life will change. It will change for a small portion of time, but it will not sustain. This clearly says that it is the spirit who gives life, and the words that I have spoken to you, Jesus is saying this, are spirit and life. He didn't come to do away with that fourth commandment. He came to fulfill it. He came to make it a gift, truly a gift and not an obligation. And, and we need to stay tuned in to him. And one of the ways that I stay tuned in is that I'm always pursuing truth. Nobody has all truth. I know the one who does. And so I pursue him. And it keeps me tuned in. And there are things that happen in the day, and I say, now, God, is this you, or is this the enemy trying to get to me, or is this just my thought that I'm coming up with? And I stay tuned in to say, God, I want to hear your voice, because the Bible clearly says that my sheep will know my voice. They'll listen to me, and that's another way to tune in, because I don't know, is this God? And I really do want to know the truth in this situation. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm going to listen to what others have to say. There are different perspectives because all perspectives have a grain of truth in them. And so it's my job to pull that out and say, Holy Spirit, reveal that truth. It keeps me tuned in. And so this loving instruction of Sabbath, this boundary that he gives us, is to help us to stay tuned in to his spirit. And the last one is to protect our soul from burning out. Now, we may burn out at a job, or we may feel burned out as a parent, but we never have to burn out with God. There is always that supernatural battery charger that we're to be plugged into and never pull out because he continually it says in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength don't we get these things turned upside down don't we focus on all the wrong things like it's good to have better sleep but if that's where we're investing our energy, we're going to be spinning our wheels. But if we step back and realize that's one small slice of the pie of life, and we first give God what's his, he only asks for one day. Six and one, six and one. Everybody say it with me. Six and one, six and one. That's the Sabbath. Sabbath rest. Stop. Remember. Now, three traps I want to leave you with. That if we're neglecting Sabbath rest, we're either in one or two or three of these, or we'll get trapped in at least one. The first one is workaholism. I talked to you about that. Connecting our worth with our work. Or it could be that you just, you've got some past hurts, You've got some fear of the future. 
that you have an address. And if you truly believe that God will be with you in everything, he will help you work that out. Because when you can truly put that in the past and you're not worrying about the future, it brings perfect rest. And so there are a lot of issues in life, past hurts, fears of the future that we need to address first. And sometimes we throw ourselves into our work so we don't have to do that because it's hard work. And what I've found is most people don't want to do that work. It's easier just to drink a cup of tea before you go to bed, or it's easier to drink a glass of wine, or it's easier to pop a pill with some melatonin, whatever, just to do that because it's much quicker. But the problem is you're going to have to keep upping that. So workaholism is just saying that we throw ourselves into our work because we don't want to address some other things in our life, or that we're finding our value and our worth in what we do or what our education is. The second one is legalism. And legalism is just living by rules. It's just the mundane, everyday, I just, I need to do this. And that's what happened with Sabbath. They began to get very legalistic about the Sabbath and say, well, what day am I supposed to do it? And how am I supposed to do it? And what does that look like for me? Jesus said, you figure it out. All I want you to do is give me 24 hours. I want you to stop. I want you to reflect. I want you to worship. I want you to give thanks. And then I want you to anticipate what I'm going to do in your life in the next six days. That's all you need to do. Six and one. And he said, I will give you rest. The third one is hedonism. Now, we live in a very hedonistic culture. And here's the thing. I love vacations. I love um, getting away out of routines. I love uh, all of those things, but those are not the things that will give us rest. Hedonism is expecting fun and pleasure and play, and I love them all. There's a little child in me, and I love to play. But it's expecting those things to bring fulfillment to my life, that somehow if I travel the world, which I have, that somehow... That'll give me fulfillment. No, I've been to some great places, but that's not the source of my fulfillment. And we tend to think that that's what will do it. But it's only found one place. One place where all truth lies. That's in Jesus. And when we begin to see him and understand that he showed us what perfect rest was, I think about Jesus in that raging storm. And you think of the raging storms that go on in your life. I mean, the world can be falling apart, but there was Jesus on that boat that was rocking in those waves back and forth, and he was sleeping like a baby. That can be us. Because when we put first things first and we understand what Sabbath truly is, the byproduct of that, we're going to sleep really well. It's a gift. It, not an obligation. It's a gift. Now, my question to you is, will you give that gift back to God as an act of worship? Let's stand together. Father, thank you so much. I personally thank you for that gift. 
I thank you, God, that you showed us long ago that you would provide and that surely you will allow our faith to be tested to see if we truly believe your word. And so this morning, Lord, as we close out, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us this morning, that each one of us would go deeper in you, and that, Lord, this isn't just a good idea that we'll go out and try to put into our life, but it truly is something, a gift from you that as we receive it, as we accept it from you, Lord, you change us from the inside out. And so, Father, I pray that we would take this as life-giving instruction straight from the heart of God, straight from the heart of Jesus. Your Holy Spirit is here right now to speak to us and that we would move closer to you and truly see you as our protective Father who wants the very best for us. Father, we love you this morning. I love you. And I just want to thank you so much for what you've provided the last six days. I pray, Lord, that this day for each one of us would be a day to stop and remember how good you are, how good you've been. And that we can anticipate whatever we have to face this week. There are so many struggles and problems represented in this room, Lord, online. But imagine dealing with those with the gusto of knowing that you will take care of it along with me. So, Father, thank you for your promises that still exist today. May we be people that live out those promises in this world who desperately needs to see that God is at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship together.
We'll sit at the table and come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that ever can cure. So Thank you for everything that's taken place here this morning. And we just pray, pray, God, that as we close out this message and this series, Father, we would just let it continue to move within us, Father, that nothing we've heard or received will be in vain, God, but that it will grow us closer to you and to being who you've desired us to be. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Don't forget, Fishing Derby starts now out at the pond. It's going to be a great time. We'll see you guys there and back here next weekend as well. It doesn't matter who you are. This world going to leave some battle scars.